This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. In light of the upcoming state elections, we'll be taking another look at Blanjo 1 2023. On today's show, we hone in on education and discuss if our government is spending enough on education and whether we are getting the outcomes that we want from that spending. Joining me on today's show is Chan Sun Singh. He's the CEO of Teach for Malaysia. Welcome to the show, Sun Singh. Thanks for having me, Dash. It's good to be here. This year, the government uh, allocated the highest budget for education, which is 55.2 billion ringgit. Um, let's start with some overall thoughts on saying, are we heading in the right direction? Yeah, you know, Dash, I think one thing that Malaysia always does well, and for many, many years, we have always prioritized education and education has received the highest allocation in the budget. In fact, compared to many of our peers and even some of our development peers, compared to our our, our GDP, we allocate a significant amount higher than many, many of our uh, many of our peers and some even more developed peers. So I think that that's a good that's a good thing. Um, I think the question that we have to then ask ourselves is with all of the amount of money that's going into uh, education, uh, is it really getting us the outcomes that we want and that we hope to see? I think one of the things that we have to recognize from the budget is that there that is that 90% of the budget actually goes into operating standard operating expenses of the Ministry of Education. 41 billion goes to salaries alone. Hmm. Um, so, uh, in terms of the development budget, so the things that, uh, the ministry is trying to, to the new things that the ministry right. is trying to fund or change, uh, that's about 10% of the budget. So 5.7 billion ringgit. And, um, this year there was an increase in the number of, uh, or the amount that was spent for infrastructure. Um, so that going into fixing dilapidated schools, um, into building seven new schools. Um, and I think that those are good, uh, those, uh, those are good things, but part of the challenge is that whenever we have this conversation about education and uh, and the budget oftentimes we get stuck at the level of physical infrastructure and we aren't actually addressing the issues of quality of education and when we talk about quality of education really ultimately at the end of the day that's how well we can ensure that our teachers are trained and continuously upskilled throughout their whole career as a teacher um, and uh, to ensure that they're uh, they're able to to deliver learning or facilitate learning uh, with with the latest sort of pedagogies and the uh, and uh, deliver the curriculum in the most engaging and up-to-date manner um, if we just take a sort of off-the-cuff look, I think you can pull the number from different ways, and it might be a right. higher number if we do uh, do it differently. But if you just look directly at the amount in the budget that is allocated for in-service uh, teacher professional development, that's 13 million ringgit. So that's 31 ringgit per teacher for the year um, for professional development. So if we were thinking about really shifting or continuing to upgrade the quality of our teachers, I, I really think that that's not, not enough. 
something I often hear from whether it's academics, some activists here, think tanks, is that Malaysia has a lot of great ideas. Um, oftentimes, that's not necessarily the problem. Um, the priorities sometimes are also perhaps not necessarily the problem. It's the follow-through um, that is where things get a little bit murky. What are you hoping from this government on that front? Yeah, you know, I think that um, I think that really, really, like I said, right, like I think really prioritizing um, quality of education mm. is really important. And and to, to be honest, we haven't seen um, enough clear statements uh, from the government, even if we were to look at the uh, the manifestos, all of the party manifestos last year when it uh, when it came to education, um, there were very few promises with regards to quality of education. A lot of it was at the surface level of infrastructure. Um, and there were some, but very minimal, uh, that were very minimal um, promises around quality education. So I, uh, the quality of education. And so I think that what I'm what I would be hopeful for uh, about is really for this government to place a focus and an emphasis on ensuring that our teachers can really be their best in the classroom. We have so many amazing teachers in Malaysia, but the reality is that a lot of them um, uh, don't have access to the professional development or the in ongoing support in school to enable themselves to continuously learn and upgrade their um, uh, their skills. And I think that that's the number one thing that I'd hope for to see from this government. All right. So now let's dive into um, some of what you mentioned in a little bit more in depth. Um, let's start with the infrastructure. You said, you know, this is the surface level stuff, but it's still important. Um, you know, and, and when we talk about infrastructure, right, one of the key things that needs to be highlighted is access to education. Um, looking outside the urban um, middle class bubble, how can we improve access to quality education in rural and underserved areas? Really, Malaysia has done very well in terms of building physical access to education. Um, so it is very, uh, there are very few places in the country where a child cannot, especially at the primary school level, cannot access uh, a physical school. Um, the Now that being said, there are, are still very rural communities and for example, Orang Asli uh, communities that um, are very, very far away from the nearest primary school. And there are things that we can uh, we can do to be able to, to bridge that gap. But I think the, the biggest challenge in terms of access of quality uh, for to quality education in Malaysia, and you know, the, the prime minister has talked about this focus. Um, oh, well, actually, sorry, the I, I take back what I said earlier, the prime minister has made a statement. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and he has said that we need to democratize um, access to quality education, right? right? Regardless of uh, re race, religion, he has made this statement. And that's something that I'm hopeful to see this government deliver on. And so when we think about the what that means is that oftentimes in Malaysia, if you are in a school that is in a more urban area and a school that serves a community of students from a higher um, uh, income uh, from a higher income bracket, they're likely to have more access to resources, access to um, potentially higher quality teachers uh, than, stu uh, than than schools in rural areas. Um, these are places that might have uh, where teachers may not necessarily be prepared specifically to deal um, with the challenges of working in a rural community or in a high need community and may not be able to tailor their support to the students in the 
their community. And oftentimes, these schools see quite um, quite a high attrition rate or um, a rate of teachers trying to apply to transfer out of these schools. So we have to think about how do we make it really attractive to really keep some of our best teachers in some of these most challenging places and support the teachers who are there to really meet the needs of their uh, needs of their students there. Um, there. There are further things in terms of uh, if we talk, if we go back to this idea of physical access, for example, um, in Orang Asli communities, the Ministry of Education has experimented with this program where they've actually gotten teachers to remotely uh um run a school so they right. would uh, be based in a school and then they would go out into smaller villages for a week at a time or so uh so that they could reach the students there another way that the ministry could uh think further about this is to to work with the existing system of community learning centers um which are run by the community but they could work with the community to formalize uh those centers as well ultimately it's about quality teachers and are we supporting our teachers to deliver their best for their students absolutely and i definitely want to dive deeper um you know into this idea of teachers because i do think they are the backbone of education right um but when we talk about is issues of access does blunger one 2023 address the the issues you just talked about I think it does in some in some senses. Mm -hmm. So it does in the sense that it is. Um, uh, I, I think <clears throat> uh, where there are definitely needs to upgrade, for example, dilapidated schools. Right. So 920 million ringgit focus on upgrading dilapidated schools. Um, these building of uh, building of these seven seven new schools. I think that you also see a significant increase in the uh, amount that is going into, um, for example, providing. Uh, computers uh, computers to school. Um, so previously, in, in the previous year, there was the Chertik program, which was money that was taken from GLCs. This time it's built into the budget uh, itself. Um, so I think that those are those are important things that will help to, to support some of the physical infrastructure that the budget does take into account. Um, I think the, the, the thing that we have to be able to see or what would be helpful for the public to know is how is this money being spent and is this money actually translating into the outcomes that uh we've stated so typically what we get is um we have the budget um and then later on eventually we might get the auditor general's uh report but we won't be able to see in very specific uh ways how that number is 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 spent on the show with me today is Chan Sun Singh, CEO of Teach for Malaysia. We continue this discussion after the break. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Chan Sun Singh. He's the CEO of Teach for Malaysia and we're talking about Blanja 1 2023 with regard to education. So Sun Singh, especially during the pandemic, um, one thing it taught us is that you know, it, it goes beyond just the traditional methods of teaching already. The traditional methods of teaching couldn't cope with something like the pandemic as people were, were you know, there was this whole work from home arrangement, same like that for students as well. Um, they're attending classes online and so on and so forth. Um, what steps have been taken to ensure that educational resources, facilities and technology are up to date and readily available in schools and universities? Have steps been taken to address these issues? I think that the ministry continues to take steps uh, towards this. I think the question is how fast and 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 in, is it enough as mm -hmm. well? Um, but I think that some of the positive things to highlight is that um, 
uh, Didik TV, the Ministry of Education's uh, television channel, continues to uh, continues to air, and I think that that will help uh, maintaining that is <clears throat> is something that will help to main, uh, support the resilience of the system in the event that we need to go into some kind of uh, lockdown again. But also helps to supplement uh, children's learning outside of uh, outside of the classroom as well. Um, and for the kids who aren't going to school or aren't going to school uh, free. Frequently, um, there are also continuous investments in internet connectivity. There's continuous investments, like I said, in, in ensuring that there are more devices that go on to school. I believe this is, it was fifty thousand devices that the budget is accounting for this year. Um, I think another thing that's positive is the continual maintenance of um, the Delima platform, which is the Ministry of Education's uh, online platform that's accessible to all teachers and students. And I understand will be made accessible to parents soon as well. I think the reality, though, is that the utilization of these technologies um, has definitely seen a drop since the pandemic, naturally and fair, fair enough. But I think that with that drop, how do we ensure that, number one, that technology is being utilized effectively and because that's what our students will need to to know how to use um and also if used well it can make teachers lives easier uh but oftentimes um teachers struggle to do that in the physical classroom because of the lack of connectivity and the lack of devices in the physical classroom um and i think it's also important to ensure that we continue to keep these platforms uh alive and also up to date um to ensure the resilience of the system uh, in the long run. Could you um, elaborate just a little bit on how things like Didate TV, which perhaps many or some of us in in certain bubbles may not may may take for granted, like or may not be uh, may not see it as a big deal, how beneficial is uh, initiatives like Didate TV to the masses, especially people in lower income groups? Yeah, uh, I don't know you, about you, Dash, but I don't have like a TV in my house that connects to um, I, the only thing I have at home is, is is that I can stream on my TV, right? right. I don't have free-to-air TV channels. I don't have mm-hmm. uh, I don't have um, other subscription services other than streaming services. Right. That's that's coming from someone who lives in a place with a strong internet connection mm-hmm. um, and the accessibility accessibility to these things, right? Um, I think that in the Malaysian context, what we see is that even in some of the most low-income households, a TV does exist, and this is a TV that is access accessing free-to-air um, uh, channels, right? And so I think that I have seen in some of in some of the the communities that I've been to that are uh, that are in some of the most low-income and also in some of the most rural um, TVs existing there, right? One of the things that we discovered in Malaysia, or in in for example, in some other countries during the pandemic, they started doing radio lessons. That didn't really work as much uh, in Malaysia because actually TVs were more accessible for and made a lot more sense for our students. Um, so it does still play uh, it does still play an important role, especially <coughs> uh, there. Uh, especially considering the fact that students from these kinds of areas are more likely to have access to a stable television um, experience versus uh, a digital or an online experience. Absolutely. So 
let's talk about like something a bit broader, something um, big picture, and that is the competitiveness of Malaysian education. How competitive, Sun Singh, would you say Malaysia education, Malaysian education is right now when compared to other countries? Do we need to improve our competitiveness? Because it is a, it's something that a lot of parents tend to worry about um, because it is a, a global market we are talking about, um, especially today. Um, and there's this always, there's this fear, there's this concern. Um, is the Malaysian schooling system prepping my child um, for the job market, especially for the global market. How do you see it? Yeah. You know, when we think about competitiveness or, or when we think about the quality of any education system, I think there's two kind of key metrics that we need to look at, right? The first one is, um, is this is this piece around equity. So the idea that I, as a parent, I could be a parent in any um, town, any village, any city in the country and send my child to any school in the country and trust that they're going to have quality education. So that's the first sort of metric or the first sort of dimension that we have to look at when we think about the quality of an education system. Then the second thing uh, that we have to think about is, does our system constantly get better? Because a, stag a stagnant system uh, is a system uh, that's ultimately in decline right. anyway, because every other system is striving to get better, right? So I think that if we look at that that cut of Malay the quality of our system um, uh, overall against um, uh, from a global perspective, the the main way that we use uh, or the main metric that we use in Malaysia to to give us a sense of how we fare globally uh, is through the PISA results, the which is the OECD's uh, program for international student assessment, and um, it will be very interesting to see the results that will come out at the end of this year and see where we rank uh, on those results. But Malaysia had a target or has a target in the national education blueprint to be in the top third of um, all countries in uh, in the PISA rankings. So when the blueprint started in 2013, the last time PISA was uh, the last time PISA was done before the blueprint was drafted, Malaysia was in the bottom third. Malaysia's actually gone up and we are now in the middle third of countries. So we have made progress. But the question is whether we've made as much progress as we want to. And with two years or, uh, well, large, slightly less than two years left to the blueprint, um, the question about whether we're going to make it into the top third of uh, countries is is still a big question uh, question mark for us. And then when we think about equity, I mean, we've spoken quite, uh, quite at length about how there continue to still be a lot of gaps, especially when we think about um, rural as well as in uh, the income divide. So when you look at Blanja 1 2023, do you get a sense that we are on the right track uh, as far as, you know, like you said, will we get to the top th uh, one third, you know, in terms of uh, the, the best of the best in terms of competitiveness or, or just overall how, how our quality of education? Um, do you think um, we are like, what, what is your read of Blanja 1 2023 with, in that regard? Uh, you know, I, I really think, well, I think it goes back to this this piece that I keep on talking about, right? Mm -hmm. I think that if we don't invest in our teachers <clears throat> even more, um, then I think that uh, we will continue to uh, we will continue to maintain at sort of the same uh, rate of uh, rate of progress. Um, so we're not in the in the worst situation, but if we but 
considering Malaysia's potential, considering our aspirations, we can be much, much further than where we are uh, than where we are today. Um, so I think that um, uh, that the budget is is not very significantly different than previous budgets in the past. And if we want to see significant change in quality, we have to invest significantly more in our teacher professional development. I also want to flip the competitive question um, and, and ask you something, perhaps a, a bit of a philosophical question in the sense that should we stop looking at education from that competitiveness sort of um, perspective, um, you know, are, are we going to get, and I, obviously I understand the concern, you know, global market, so on and so forth. You want, you, people want to survive, put food on the table. Obviously that's important. But, but what I'm saying is looking at schools, not as a place of competition, but as a place of learning, collaboration, the liberation of the mind, things like that. How do you see this? Dash, I love that question. I think that, you know, when we, okay, we always say, or at least the, the, they would be the first people to say that we shouldn't, the Finnish people would be the first people to say that we shouldn't compare our system to theirs. Mm. But I think what's interesting about the way that Finland went around their system uh, reform was that it wasn't about where they were going to end up uh, on the global rankings. Right. right? And I think that it is uh, that it is it is a reality that we have to consider. Global rankings um, are important to give us a litmus test about how we are doing. But I think I think ultimately um, we have to be anchored on what we want to be true for our children. And, you know, the Malaysian national education philosophy really lays out a holistic vision for what we want to see happen for our children. And the reality that happens sometimes, you know, the, the national education philosophy talks about developing the holistic child. It talks about their intellect. It talks about um, their emotion, uh, their uh, emotional health. It talks about their physical health, their social, um, their social health uh, and and so on and so forth but oftentimes what happens and especially when we think uh, when we get caught in the trap of this competitiveness and ranking piece is that we only focus on the intellect and the academic aspect of education and the whole of the philosophy gets lost out and so I, I really think that from a phil philosophical perspective Malaysia has quite a beautiful philosophy and if we were to really really just ground ourselves in that and deliver education or facilitate an education that makes that truly come to life then the global ranking we're gonna we're gonna meet those global rankings um if we're grounded and anchored on the philosophy so now let's talk about the the most important aspect you've been um you know hammering since the start of this conversation and I'm really glad that you keep repeating um teachers soon saying because teachers are the backbone of education um when you look at Blanja 1 2023, um, let's use that as a jumping off point. Does it address um, the issues that teachers are facing um, and, and focus on improving um, the quality of not just the, the quality of the teachers per se, but the quality of life of the teachers, better salaries, better benefits, better training, so on and so forth? There's this saying that the quality of an education system cannot exceed the quality of its teachers. And that that's basically this idea that in a classroom setting, the teacher is the single largest determinant of student outcomes. Right. And so um, what what research has shown is that if you place the same the same uh, 
uh, types of students in a class with a teacher, a high performing teacher versus a class with a low performing teacher, you'll see that same class have very, very uh, have drastically different outcomes. Right. Um, I think that, like I said, I think that the budget doesn't do enough to address the professional development of uh, of teachers. Uh, I think we we allocate a very, very small amount to teacher professional development. We do a much larger amount on pre-service, um, which is great. And uh, but we really, really need to be focused on our in-service professional development for teachers because um, what the because education and the world is changing so fast, right? Mm -hmm. What was relevant five years ago is no longer relevant today. And what you learn in pre-service education um, five years ago, 10 years ago is not relevant, uh, or I mean, it's not not relevant, but is becoming uh, quickly outdated as, as time goes by, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we support our teachers to be updated? Um, how do we support our teachers to be able to deliver um, the highest quality and latest sort of uh, um, uh, pedagogy uh, and um, curriculum for for our students, right? So we uh, it's a it's a it's a tiny amount, right? Thirteen million ringgit, um, and then there's slightly more when it comes to leadership development. So that's focusing on let's say school principals and administrators. That's seventy five million, uh, seventy five million ringgit, but still uh, all in all um, a very very small, uh, very very small amount. Um, now when when we think of the the reality is that. As much as I would love for, uh, I, I was I started off my career in education as a teacher. As much as I would love for teachers to be um, much higher paid and to have better benefits, um, the budget doesn't do much to 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 significantly change um, those things. But I think that what we need to do is not a budget issue. I think that what needs to happen in the system is that we need to be able to promote people based on merit. And the reality is that most promotions now happen on a time-based promotion. So if you are a teacher and you're starting off, it takes eight years for you to get your first promotion, no matter how good you are. Obviously, there are a few that skip that amount, but eight years is a long time to get promoted. So you start off with a relatively decent salary of about 3000 plus ringgit a month as a teacher. Um, but the reality is that if you have to wait eight years for your first promotion, there's many, many, many more competitive jobs outside um, that uh, that that might be lucrative to you. So I think that it's not so much about changing the uh, the budget, but it's more about the policies about how we recognize and reward those who are doing well uh, in the system. No, I, I personally think teachers and healthcare um, professionals should be the highest earning people in society. But, you know, I, Sun Singh, does the government, when we look at today, face challenges to, um, when, when it comes to, you know, improving wages of teachers and, and all of that, right? Because of the booming private education sector. And I, um, you know, we, we hear similar things from, um, you know, people in, in the health um, activism side and, and things like that, where they talk about how, you know, it is increasingly difficult for the government to be able to compete, um, whether it's uh, on from uh, salaries, from benefits and all, um, when we, you know, to, with the private sector. And, and so what you get is all the specialists and everyone being in private hospitals, and then you start to see this decline. Um, how do you see it, it from an education perspective? Well, the reality is actually that a lot of private uh, K-12 institutions in Malaysia um, are are 
actually not as competitive as as a career in the Ministry of Education. Mm. So if you're a private school teacher, a secondary uh, in a secondary school, and you are in a mid tier private school, you're not likely to get paid as well as you would be in the in the MOE. Right. So the MOE actually isn't losing a significant amount of teachers to that uh, to that end. What you will see is like retired teachers who then get mm-hmm. uh, get poached into pretty senior positions in some private higher end private institutions but the the large boom that we see in private education is actually in the mid-tier and the mid-tier does not pay as competitively as moe so that's not actually the big challenge uh right. the big challenge for moe um as we know one of the areas of education in malaysia that many have said needs major restructuring is tvet in countries like singapore and germany tvet is taken seriously and people who graduate with TVET qualifications get dignified salaries. Does Blanja One 2023 address the issue of this, that restructuring of TVET um, and, and repositioning it in, in the minds of the public? Yeah, I, I would say that um, that the government is trying to restructure TVET and uh, that there are many initiatives uh, that are, are being done to sort of... Um, uh, restructure and uh, improve TVET in Malaysia. Uh, from the education budget perspective, I think that uh, it's good to see an increase uh, in the budget. So it went up to um, from 140 million in 2022 to 212 uh, million this year. Um, so the Ministry of Education's budget towards TVET is uh, is increasing, which I think is a good thing. I think that the challenge in Malaysia is that TVET is still quite a fragmented uh a fragmented um kind of uh thing in mm. that the ministry of education has a stake in it the ministry of human resources has has a stake in it and um they're very uh there there are a lot of people um involved in it but nobody really taking ownership and driving it forward and keeping everybody aligned in the direction uh moving forward but i i believe that there has been progress uh towards it and that um it's positive that uh um, that the that there's an increase in the Ministry of Education's budget towards it. That being said, there's still a lot more to go, and there's a lot of potential that we can unlock uh, as a nation if we were to unlock TVET. All right. Before I let you go, um, Sun Seng, could you have a would you have a final message for us? Um, when we look at budget, uh, Blanja One Twenty Twenty Three with regard to education, um, what are we as the, and we? I mean, like what what's the government doing correct, and where can they improve? Yeah, I mean, to to close off again, I think that it's great that education continues to receive the highest budget. It's so important that we continue to invest in from Malaysia. Talent will be the 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 backbone of our development and our aspiration, uh, our aspirations of becoming a high income nation and uh, all the aspirations that we have. Right. So investing in education is so important and it's a good thing that our government is doing that. That being said, we really, really need to focus on how do we ensure that we are investing in the things that are going to drive quality of education up. And that's really, from my opinion, investing significantly in our teachers. On that note, Sun Singh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Dash. That was Chan Sun Singh. He's the CEO of Teach for Malaysia. Don't forget to visit www.blanja1.mof.gov.my to find out more about how to take part in the initiatives and explore many more measures that the government is offering to the people. That is www.blanja1.mof.gov.my 
If you missed any part of today's show, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.